Blog Talk Radio. Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. This is PGN, Prophetic Grace Network, and today we're talking about the millennial reign prophecy in the book of Revelation. It begins with verse 1 of chapter 20, and it ends with verse 10 of the same chapter. Here it is, reading from the New Living Translation, the millennial reign prophecy John the Revelator speaking to you and to me says this, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked, so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them... The second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. When the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be led out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations, called Gog and Magog, in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is the millennial reign prophecy in its entirety. It's preceded by the marriage supper prophecy, the most detailed account of the battle of Armageddon in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. The marriage supper prophecy is followed by the millennial reign prophecy. The Battle of Armageddon is where 
Jesus Christ, the rider of the white horse, fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon. He takes out the first of five enemies of God. The Antichrist and the false prophet, they are destroyed. They are destroyed by being thrown into the lake of fire where they are forever separated from God. Here in the millennial reign prophecy, which immediately follows the marriage supper prophecy, we heard about the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth. Not the government of Jesus Christ in heaven, not the government of Jesus Christ in hell, but the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth. On this present earth, there are two types of people. Every person falls into one of two categories. Either a person belongs to this world or a person belongs to the kingdom of God. Often in the book of Revelation, there's discussion about what is happening and what will happen to the people who belong to this world. During the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ, there will be people who belong to this world. The first resurrection includes all whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The second resurrection includes all of the people who belong to this world. Now, in the Millennial Reign Prophecy, let's go to verse 5. The second half of verse 5 says this, The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. What does that mean? That means that there is another resurrection. Some of the dead come back to life before the thousand years had ended. What thousand years? This 1,000 years known as the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. It says the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Now, what does it mean to come back to life? To be re-embodied, to be resurrected, to again occupy a physical, tangible body, to resume life three in one, body, spirit, and soul, rather than being two in one, which is spirit and soul, without a physical body. So there's a heavenly body, but we're talking about a physical body, the type of body that allows one to dwell on the earth. Now, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he rose from the dead. He came back to life again. He was re-embodied. He was resurrected, and he put on a peak performance perfected, glorified, immortal body. He transitioned from mortality to immortality. Every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, in other words, every person who belongs to the kingdom of God will participate in the 
first resurrection. So that's group one. Group one participates in the first resurrection. Resurrection number one is for group one. Group two, the rest of the dead, as noted here in the Millennial Reign Prophecy, Revelation chapter 20, verse 5, the rest of the dead is comprised of group two. Now, what happens to group two? The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. When the rest of the dead come back to life again, this is another resurrection. This is a second, if you will, resurrection. So I don't see that language in the Bible, second resurrection. There's simply the reference to the rest of the dead coming back to life again. But it is noted the beginning of verse 5, this is the first resurrection. So we don't need that adjective first unless there's a second. So in a nutshell, the people who belong to the kingdom of God participate in the first resurrection. The first resurrection happens before the battle of Armageddon. The second resurrection is when those individuals in group number two, those who belong to this world, it's when they are resurrected. They are re-embodied. They, quote, come back to life, end quote, according to Revelation 20, verse 5. Now, why... Why do those who belong to this world come back to life after the thousand years have ended? They come back to life again for the purpose for the purpose of having their case heard. The end of the world is coming. What's the end of the world? That's the end of those who belong to this world inhabiting this earth and being in the temporary location where there are prisons of darkness, Hades. Let's talk about that. There is a holding area. Prophet Randy Chandler refers to it as a storage tank. The prolific writer Randy Alcorn refers to it as a layover. There's a temporary location, a storage tank, a layover for those who belong to the kingdom who are disembodied. In other words, they're not in a physical body on the earth, yet the Bible tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for those who die in Christ. So they're absent from the body. They're disembodied. But they have perfect continuity of life, and they are residing in a temporary location, present heaven. Now you might say, research scientists, heaven, heaven is not a temporary location. Indeed it is. 
Indeed it is, the New Earth Prophecy, Revelation chapter 21, all of it, plus verses 1 to 5. In Revelation chapter 21, we are told that after the end of this world, those who belong to the kingdom, we transition to a new earth and new heavens with an S. Do you realize, have you thought about the reality that heaven is defiled by the presence of Satan. Satan is able to go before the Lord to attack the children of God in the same way that he did when Job was on this present earth. He does it today. He has defiled heaven with his presence and his actions and his thinking. Everything that has been defiled, everything that has evil in it, what are those things? The Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, the children of Satan, and death. These are the five enemies of God. These are the five enemies of God. The Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, the children of Satan, and death. Those who belong to this world, in the same way that those who die in Christ go to a temporary location, which is present heaven, they go to a, uh, when I say temporary location, what I really mean to say is they go temporarily to present heaven. Once they have the benefit of participation in this first resurrection noted in Revelation chapter 20 verse 5, then they are able to be on the present earth again. On the present earth with who? With Jesus Christ, with all whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now what about those, the rest of the dead, who do not come back to life again until after the thousand years have ended? Those individuals also go to go temporarily to a location where they will dwell until the resurrection. So let's think about it this way. Those in group number one, those who have died in Christ, go temporarily to a location until it's time for them to participate in the first resurrection. Those who die and are not in Christ, they also go to a they also go temporarily to a location which is Hades. They go to prisons of darkness in Hades until it's time for them to participate in the second resurrection so again in the millennial reign prophecy we're told revelation 20 verse 5 the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended so what does this mean for the people who belong to this world so there are subgroups 
There are subgroups. There are those individuals who belong to this world who have already fallen asleep. They have already experienced the first death. And so right now, they have perfect continuity of life. They have uh, their soul is intact. Their spirit is intact, but they're disembodied. And where are they? They're in a prison of darkness in Hades. During the millennial reign, in other words, after Jesus Christ has fought and won the battle of Armageddon and the government of men, the governments of men, are put down and the government of Jesus Christ is established on this present earth, the nations will continue and those those who fail to participate in the first resurrection because their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life because they did uh they did not accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior They were not at the Battle of Armageddon, yet they were here on this present earth. So those who belong to this world who do not die in the Battle of Armageddon because they're not in the armies that are fighting against the army of heaven at the Battle of Armageddon, they will, many of them, will continue to live as noted in Zechariah. Many of them will continue to live and we see the results of those who belong to this world continuing to live on this present earth where do we hear the result where do we see it here in the millennial reign prophecy revelation chapter 20 verse 7 verses 7 to 9 we find out about those who belong to this world, what happens to them ultimately? So Jesus Christ has returned. Every person who is in Christ is ruling and reigning with Christ, living in a perfected, glorified, immortal body. But there are those who fail to participate in the first resurrection because they belong to this world. What happens to them? Here it is. It says, when the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. So the nations continue to exist under the government of Jesus Christ. And those who participated in the first resurrection will be in leadership positions. How do we know that? Because we were told in verse 6 about all who participate in the first resurrection, they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Reign where? Reign right here on this present earth. Okay, but those who are not reigning, those who are still subject to mortality because They fail to participate in the first resurrection. It says, when a thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle. A mighty army 
as numberless as sand along the seashore. So they will uh, they will proliferate, those who belong to this world. When Jesus Christ returns, we do not have an end. We do not have an immediate end to those who belong to this world. And, in fact, those who belong to this world will continue to dwell in multiple nations with an S, and we're told that they will be, quote, in every corner of the earth, end quote. And what happens to them is this. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as sand along the seashore. So if we were to count the sands along the seashore, we would likely arrive at a number that's in the millions, maybe the tens or or hundreds of millions. So there will be a very large number, a vast army of mortals, of people who belong to this world, people whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They did not die during the Battle of Armageddon. They continued to live because they were not participants in the Battle of the Armageddon, and they are not immortal because they failed to participate in the first resurrection. Now, what happens to them? Verse 9 tells us their fate. So, Anyone who belongs to this world is subject to mortality. Anyone who belongs to this world fails to transition from mortality to immortality. Anyone who belongs to this world is a goat among the bad fish, among the tares. Their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so what it means for these individuals who are subject to mortality, that is that they do experience the first death. They do fall asleep, if you will. So repeatedly the Bible refers to the first death as simply falling asleep. Why? Because everyone who dies, those who belong to the kingdom of God and those who belong to this world participate uh, participates in a resurrection. Everyone participates in a resurrection, either resurrection number one, which is referred to in Revelation 20, verse 5, as the first resurrection, or if an individual, again, belongs to this world, he or she will participate in another resurrection. That's the resurrection that happens after this thousand years. Now, what happens to these people who are in the army, those who belong to this world? It says, and I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. So this means that there will be a very large number, perhaps the numbers in the millions, tens or hundreds of millions of people during the millennial reign who when Satan is released from the bottomless pit, they are persuaded by him. They are persuaded to join his army. They are persuaded to continue in rebellion against Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. When they participate in what they believe is going to be a battle when they uh, get into position. So what's position? 
they literally come to Jerusalem a thousand years into the reign of Jesus Christ on this present earth. They're going there because they're in the army of Satan. So this time, Satan's leading his own army. But a thousand years earlier, the Antichrist, on behalf of Satan, was leading armies to fight against Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. Now, the Antichrist lost, and he's already been destroyed, and he's in the lake of fire at this point, a thousand years later. So now Satan has he's lost both of his flunkies. Who are they? The Antichrist and the false prophet. They've already been destroyed. They're already in the lake of fire, Gehenna. So even though failed at time number one, his flunkies failed to succeed at their mission to take over Jerusalem and rule the world forever and ever, now Satan is attempting, he's attempting to succeed at the same mission. What's that mission? To take over Jerusalem and to rule the world forever and ever. But he fails. Now what happens at the beginning of his failure? It says, quote, Verse 9 of chapter 20, but fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. So 100% of the armies from all the nations where Satan was able to get people to believe him, to join his armies in rebellion against Jesus Christ, 100% of these individuals will lose their lives They are subject to mortality because they failed to participate in the first resurrection and they experience the first death. They die from fire that consumes them. Now, when they die, where do they go? Just like everyone who belongs to this world, when they experience the first death, they become disembodied, yet they have perfect continuity of life. What does that mean? They continue to have their same mind, will, and emotions. That's our soul. Our soul includes our mind, will, and emotions. They continue to have their self-same spirit. So they are two-in-one, spirit and soul, instead of three-in-one, a physical body on this present earth uh, in which spirit and soul dwell. So they lose their earthly tent, and they go to they go temporarily to a location which is a prison of darkness in Hades that's below this earth that's according to the bible in Isaiah chapter 9 we're told this and of the increase of his government and his peace there shall be no end let's go there for a moment now who's his his government Who is that referring to? That's referring to Jesus Christ. Now, this prophecy, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 10, is referring to the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9, where we hear about it. So, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6. Two, seven. Here it is. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Make what happen? Peace on earth. The government of Jesus Christ on earth. Men cannot rule in a way that results in peace. The Antichrist will deceive the world by communicating a false message of hope. He will communicate, among other things, that he is going to bring peace to this earth. But it's not true. The person who will bring peace to this earth will be called, quote, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. God the Father gave himself a human form, a physical body, Jesus Christ, so that we could get in right standing with him again, so that we could be restored to sonship, so that we could be restored to daughtership. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Now, when do we arrive at peace? We heard in the Millennial Reign prophecy today that Satan is thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, so that's his destruction. None of us will ever have to deal with Satan again after he is destroyed. That doesn't happen until the end of the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ. But we just heard in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, his government and its peace will never end. So let's talk about his government and its peace. Three of God's five enemies are destroyed by the time we arrive at the end of the millennial reign, who? Which three? The Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan. But two more enemies remain. The children of Satan, who were the children of Satan? Those who belong to this world and death itself. Now let's talk about what happens to those who belong to this world who live during the millennial reign, so there will be mortals and immortals both occupying this same present earth for a thousand years. We won't be talking about uh, Australians versus Canadians versus uh, Africans and so on like that. We'll be talking about those who belong to the royal race and those who do not, those who belong to this world and those who belong to the kingdom of God, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. At that point in time, 
before the end of time, we'll, we will be talking about individuals in those terms. There'll be one group who rules and reigns and another group who doesn't. Think about that. Now, those who belong to this world and who experience the first death at the end of the millennial reign, when they are consumed by fire that falls down from heaven, what happens to them next? Well, they participate in the second resurrection. Remember, verse 5 of this millennial reign prophecy tells us, the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. So that includes everyone who belongs to this world who died in the year 100, the year 200, the year 300, let's fast forward, 1975, 1976, let's fast forward, 2000, 2010, 2015. So because of the curse, we've inherited the propensity to die. We've inherited uh, mortality. And so only those people whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and who are here at the time of the second coming, it's only us who will never experience death. But everyone else, whether in Christ or not in Christ, who dies before the second coming, experience death. Now, our focus is on finding out what is the trajectory for individuals who belong to this world and who die at the end of the millennial reign. They are going to participate in another resurrection that happens after the thousand years, after they are consumed with fire that falls from heaven. Verse 5 says, the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. So it includes them, but it also includes all who preceded them. Preceded them what? Preceded them in death all who preceded them in death and who were already in prisons of darkness in Hades. So another resurrection, this second resurrection is going to include millions and millions and millions of people. Now let's talk a little bit about the second resurrection. The dead judged prophecy tells us what happens after the second resurrection, what happens to the people who belong to this world, let's zoom in on what does it mean for the mortals who participate in the armies of Satan at the end of the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth? What does it mean for them? Let's hear the dead judged prophecy Let's go to uh, verse 12, verse 12 of chapter 20. So this is part of the dead judged prophecy. It says, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. Let me say that again. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. What is, well, who's great? Kings, queens, celebrities, billionaires. Okay, so great 
in the sense that the world considered or considers these individuals great. But look at this. They have the same experience as those who are small. So it says, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. Every person who belongs to this world will suffer the same fate. What is it? Let's hear it. Continuing in verse 12 of chapter 20, here is the fate of those who belong to this world, who are here during the millennial reign, we're just zooming in on them, but this actually includes every person who belongs to this world at any point in time. Those, again, what does it mean to belong to this world? It means a person's name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's, it means that instead of being among the sheep, the person is among the goats. It means instead of being uh, part of the wheat, the person is part of the tares. It means instead of being among the good fish who will be kept, the individual is among the bad fish who will be thrown out. Thrown out where? Thrown out into the lake of fire. Gehenna. Now let's hear their fate. The rest of verse 12 says, And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So all who belong to this world and those who are there during the millennial reign, who participate in the armies of Satan, they're consumed with fire, they die. In other words, they experience mortality. Uh, they experience death due to mortality. They become disembodied, and they go to a prison of darkness temporarily. Then at the designated on the designated day, at the appointed time, the appointed hour, they participate in resurrection number two. And you say, well, isn't the resurrection like a good thing? Isn't the resurrection the rapture? Isn't the resurrection where the people of God uh, join Jesus Christ in the air and so shall we be with the Lord forever? The first resurrection is all of those things. The first resurrection is indeed all of those things. But look, verse 5 of chapter 20 says, the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. So when the rest of the dead come back to life, it is being resurrected, being re-embodied for one singular purpose, which is to stand trial, to have his or her case heard. So each of these individuals, they are given the privilege of standing before God's throne. However, and unfortunately, when they stand before God's throne, it says, and the books were opened, including the book of life. What book? The book of life is the Lamb's book of life. It records every the name of every person who belongs to the kingdom of God. So 
there are two pieces of evidence that God will use to try their cases. Number one, each person has a book, and in each person's book in heaven, what the individual has done when the individual lived on this present earth is recorded. How do we know that? Verse 12 of chapter 20 says, And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Okay, so two pieces of evidence will be used. Number one, the book, the book that records what the individual has done their aims, their motives, their actions. It says in the Amplified Classic Translation, these things, uh, here in the New Living Translation, according to what they had done. So everything that a person has done in this present earth is recorded in a book in heaven. Now, those who participate in the first resurrection, we don't go to trial. We've participated in the first resurrection. But those who participate in the second resurrection, they're going to trial. So the prosecutor is God. Now think about that. Is there any chance that you or I or anyone could go to court and win a case when the opposing party is God himself, the creator of the heavens and the earth. It's no way possible. You don't want God to have a case against you. I don't want God to have a case against me because it's no way possible that I can win against God. I don't want to be uh, at odds with God. I want to be in right standing with God. I think you ought to want the same thing. Maybe you do want the same thing. If you want the same thing, you have to go to mediation. You have to go to mediation. What do I mean by that? Every human being, every human being has sinned because we inherited the propensity to sin. We were born in the image of Adam instead of being born in the image of God. Therefore, according to Romans, a second Adam was born. Who's that second Adam? Jesus Christ. Now, who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ to you and to me? For me, he's my mediator. He's the person who put me in right standing with God. Now, my question for you is, is Jesus Christ your mediator? Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. It says, there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. Listen to that. There is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. There is one God and one Mediator. There's one mediator. Now, maybe you're like me and you've been to mediation before. 
So we're not talking about uh, regular cases. We're talking about a case that decides whether a person is allowed or disallowed to live on the new earth. What's the new earth? That's where there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more grief, no more mourning, no more death. You want to live on the new earth. I want to live on the new earth. Only those who are in right standing with God are allowed to live on the new earth. Those who are disallowed, they are allowed to continue living, but where? In Gehenna. Gehenna. They have eternal damnation in the lake of fire instead of eternal life on the new earth. It is impossible to uncreate oneself. You and I, as creations of the Lord, will always exist. We are given the privilege and the responsibility to make a decision about whose child do we want to be. Do we want to be a child of God or do we want to be a child of Satan? God will spend eternity with his children on the new earth. Satan will spend eternity with his children in the lake of fire. Satan's children will inherit eternal damnation. God's children will inherit the earth. What earth? The new earth. The new earth where there's no more grief, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more death. Now, anyone who sins, anyone who sins is not in right standing with God unless and until the person has been to mediation. What do I mean? When we sin, whether on purpose or not on purpose, this causes God to have a case against us. And every sin creates a debt. That's why God has a case against us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So every time we sin, whether on purpose or not on purpose, we generate a sin debt. That sin debt has to be paid for. Those who participate in the first resurrection have had their sin debt paid for. How? They've been to mediation. Those who participate in the second resurrection fail to pay their sin debt. Therefore, they must stand trial before the throne of God. And there's no amount of money that will allow them to settle their case with God. So when they are found guilty at trial... When they are found guilty, how are they found guilty? Two pieces of evidence. God opens up their book so all their actions will be read. Every sin is recorded. And then a second piece of evidence, God will double check. God will double check to say, well, wait a minute. Let's make sure. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? In other words, I see all these sins that you committed. There's a bunch of sin debt in this book. 
Now, you might say, well, my sin debt will be less than Hitler's sin debt. Probably so. Probably so. And maybe your sin debt will be less than my sin debt, except I'm not going to trial. I'm participating in the first resurrection. I want you to do that, too. I think that that would be a right decision for you as well. I think God's best for you is dwelling in a perfected, glorified, peak performance, 100% free of DNA errors body. How about that? Do you agree? Why should you inherit eternal damnation and live with Satan in Gehenna after the end of time? Why not live on the new earth in a perfected, glorified, peak performance body with God your Father after the end of time? What do you, what, you might say, what do you mean after the end of time? The end of the world is coming. The end of the time is near. The end of all time is near. When time ends, in other words, after this world ends, we transition to a new heaven, new heavens and a new earth. Now, I've heard people say erroneously over and over again, we're all children of God. No, we aren't. It's not true. The Bible says repeatedly that some are children of Satan and some are children of God. You have to go to mediation in order to be restored to sonship. Now, this isn't your fault in the sense that you and I, we were born in the image of Adam. We were born with the propensity to sin. We were born with the ability to experience death. We were born being subject to mortality. God sent a second Adam, Jesus Christ, to be your mediator, to be my mediator. Why? Because he wants you to be restored to sonship. Right now, Satan has millions of people, billions of people, all who have failed to bend to medi- all who have failed to go to mediation. They haven't been to mediation. Friend and truth seeker, there's only one mediator. First Timothy First Timothy chapter two verse five says there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. Have you been to mediation? Galatians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. You need to get an agreement with God. You need to decide that you will allow Jesus Christ to pay your sin debt. That's the only way to get your case settled. If your case is settled, then you don't need to go to trial. That's the purpose of mediation. We agree to mediation either as the complaining party or the defending party. In either case, we agree to mediation because we want to avoid going to trial. I think that it would be wise to make the decision to avoid going to trial where the person who is against you is God. The Bible reports 
that every person who goes to trial, who participates in the great white throne judgment, loses his case or loses her case that God has against the individual. So if you don't want to go to trial where you have to defend yourself in a case that God has brought against you, you need to go to mediation. Now let's talk about how to go to mediation. There are many places in the Bible that talk about salvation. It's useful to read the Bible in its entirety. There's a very succinct chapter and verse that tells you and me everything you need to know to get to mediation and to get your case settled. Acts 2.38, Peter tells those who were seeking to find out how they could get their case settled, he gave them the answer. That means he gave you and I the answer because it's recorded right here in the Word of God. It says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you follow Acts 2.38, what do I mean by that? If you do these things, number one, repent of your sins. What does that mean? Say, hey, say and believe. Believe and therefore you say, I'm, I'm turning away from these wrong actions that I've taken, these evil actions, these sinful behaviors. They grieve me. I'm sorry. I'm going a different way now. That's my intention, my, my plan, my purpose and my my mind to turn away from these wrong actions that I've committed in the past. And I turn to you, God. God, I'm turning to you. That's step one in the mediation procedure. Step two, Peter tells us, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Why do you need to be forgiven? It generates a sin debt. That sin debt is recorded in your book in heaven, the book that God has in his possession. So forgiveness of your sins, payment. In another translation it says for the remission, which means payment. Forgiveness, remission, payment of your sin debt. Bill Gates doesn't have enough money to pay for his sin debt. Steve Jobs didn't have enough money. None of us has enough money. Only the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient. He died in our place because the wages of sin is death, yet he hadn't sinned. So therefore, he can just slide over into your account, his death, and that will count as your death. He died in your place. He outsmarted Satan. Hallelujah. That's step two in the mediation process. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Step three, a promise. So what does God promise you? Then you will receive.
receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember Isaiah chapter 9 said he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Who's the Wonderful Counselor? The Holy Spirit. You want God to dwell on the inside of you because then you have 24-hour access to the best counselor, the best psychologist that ever lived and ever will live. Friend and truth seeker, I hope that this has been a blessing for you. We're going to continue discussing the Millennial Reign Prophecy on Sunday at 12 noon Texas time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern time. And every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern time, 10 a.m. Texas time. In November, in November, we're going to be focusing on the dead judged prophecy, this great white throne judgment. And in December, on the new earth prophecy. So I hope that you'll be with me and with us again, and I hope that you will join us on PGN every day. We need to fellowship with the people of God. We need to hear the word of God. It's for every truth seeker on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. You can hear Prophet Randy Chandler from 9 a.m. Texas time to about midnight one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. One three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. I hope you I hope you'll be with me and with us again until next time, friends.